Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. You know, one of the few stories that's uh, in all four gospel accounts is the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Uh, this is the beginning of Passion Week. Uh, we typically call this day at Palm Sunday. It's recorded in all four uh, gospel stories. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, as we once again become familiar with this story on Palm Sunday as Jesus makes his way through Jerusalem. We're going to look at these words this morning under the heading, the need for a consistent confession. The need for a consistent confession, Matthew chapter 21 Verses 1 through 11, Matthew writes, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The time had come for Jesus to finish his work to which he was sent upon this earth. And so he sends two disciples ahead of him. And he says, go and, and find my mode of transportation. Uh, find a donkey, and, and along with that donkey, you're going to find a colt alongside that donkey. And if the owner of the animals say, what are you doing? Tell them that the Lord has need of these animals, and they will give them to you without any complaints. And so, gee, the, the disciples do what Jesus commanded, and it brings them to the Jesus, and then you see what happens. I want you to pause for a moment, and I want you to consider the mode of transportation for which Jesus is taking. I mean, look at it. Can, can, can you see it before you? It's a donkey. Doesn't that seem a bit bizarre to you, that he would choose to ride in on a donkey? I mean, look at him. Uh, the, the, if you back off and you look at a donkey from any way, there's nothing dignified about a donkey. Uh, there's nothing really impressive about a, about a donkey. He's awkward. He's obstinate. Uh, he's dumb. As a matter of fact, the nature of a, of a donkey has been passed down into a proverb in today's age. When so, you know, and we use it to describe certain individuals. And, and, you know, uh, and when somebody calls you by the name that we give to that other animal, you do not think he's pointing out your vast amount of intelligence, do you? 
As a matter of fact, you probably don't take it as much of a compliment, compliment when it says that you're dumb as a, you know, donkey. Uh, but we, we won't use the other word. Uh, it, it's kind of been passed down toward us. Uh, you know, but here it is. Jesus is making his way through, into and through the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. He's not coming in on a white stallion like a, a Roman general would come in to conquer He's not coming on that, celebrating a victory. He's not riding in on a Roman chariot, kicking up dust as he comes in. He's riding in on a donkey. That's the way he chose his way. And the crowd is lining the streets. Can you see the crowd lining the streets as Jesus is making his way into the streets? And it says that, that they are honoring Jesus. They, they are giving Jesus the honor and the recognition that he deserves, and they're giving it to him in word and deed, in deed and in word. What they're doing for Jesus that day is customary what we would call rolling out the red carpet. Now, they didn't have red carpets that day, at least not that I know of. They didn't have red carpets rolling out when a dignitary would come to town, when a, a, a leader would come to town, when a king would come to town. So they're doing the next best thing. Many of them take off their, their outer garment and they lay it on the road in front of the donkey. So that as Jesus is making his way, he, he's not walking on, on the dirt. His donkey is walking on the clothes. And because they don't have enough coats to do it, some of them go to the local palm trees and they strip le trees, uh, leaves from the tree and they're laying that before him. And the original language says that they were doing this constantly. This is a continual action. They kept taking their cloaks. They kept laying the palm trees out as Jesus was making his way down into the city of Jerusalem. They were honoring him indeed, but they were also honoring him in word. Verse 9 says they cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That word Hosanna, in the original uh, idea of that word, it meant save now. And it was a term that was used to, uh, to, of a cry of someone in distress. It was a cry of deliverance from time of trouble. And in the ancient days, it was used to cry out to a king or a cry out to a leader to save us. By the time Jesus had come into the world, by the time of Jesus during these days, it became a cry of praise to God. God save us. God deliver us. So, and the Bible says once again in the original languages, they kept crying out with intensity with purpose, Hosanna, 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 constantly as Jesus made his way in. Stop and think about it for a moment. Were they genuine in the words? Did they really, did they really, were they really sincere in what they were saying? Did they understand the claim which Jesus was making by his action as he made his way in? Were they acknowledging with sincerity what they were saying as Jesus entered in? Save us, deliver us. Did they really know? Were they aware of the significance of their confession? I have to admit before you, we have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing if they were sincere in what they were doing. I do believe this. I think they were caught up in a moment 
And there was a sense of holy enthusiasm. There was a sense of, of let's get caught up in the excitement of this moment. And they were kind of going with the crowd. But I do think there was a real wave of spiritual feeling and a real wave of joy as Jesus made his way into Jerusalem. After all, this was a time when, when such a confession was easy to make. And that's what I don't want you to miss. As we examine this passage, I don't want you to miss that. It was easy for them to give a consistent confession in the convenient moments of life. It was easy at this time for them to give a consistent confession. They were comfortable. The heat wasn't on, so to speak. And so without personal cost of their life, they could shout, Hosanna. Without any personal sacrifice on their part, they could worship him, they could honor him in word and deeds. Many years ago, I served in the Navy, four years in the Navy. Let me tell you, it's a little bit different in the Navy than it is in, in some places. In the Navy, everything in the Navy is secular. I mean, we have secular, uh, secular work, we have secular people, secular environment, secular atmosphere. Man, I think even the food is secular. Everything about it is secular. And I'm going to tell you, it's hard. It's hard uh, to give Jesus his due in the Navy. It's just difficult. But years have passed, and I found myself on the Holy Hill in Fort Worth, Texas, at Southwestern Seminary. That's a little bit different from the Navy. You see, at Southwestern Seminary, we have, we have Christian friends. We have Christian philosophy, Christian theology, Christian classes, Christian studies. I think even the food there was Christian. <laughs> Let me tell you what. If you can't praise God on the holy hill at Southwestern, Texas, Southwestern Seminary, you can't praise God anywhere. It's easy. No challenge whatsoever. And sometimes we're that way. It's easy. There are some occasions and there are some circumstances in which it is easy to say, Hosanna. It's easy to give God his due. Let me ask you a question. Isn't it pretty easy to say Hosanna in here? Isn't it pretty easy to, uh, to sing the Christian message here this morning, to listen to the Christian message this morning? Isn't it pretty easy to pray together? Isn't it pretty easy? We come here, we read scripture, and within these four walls, within these four walls, uh, it's easy for us to shout Hosanna. It's easy for us to give praise and worship to God. That's what the multitudes were doing on that Sunday. That's what they were doing on that first Palm Sunday. That's what we're doing this Sunday. We're giving God his due. We're giving Jesus his due. We're, we're singing Hosanna. We're rolling out the red carpet and saying, God, you're welcome here. Jesus, you're welcome here. It's easy. Oh, but things do change. Things do change. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 15. Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. Now is the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. 
So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked him, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they'd handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered, Barabbas. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Before the palm trees had withered on the ground, before their voices had healed from singing praise to him, the tune of the multitude changed. And Matthew wants us to know it. Matthew drives it home in verse 20. He says that the, the, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd. They persuaded the crowd. And then verse 22, it says, they all answered, crucify him. They all answered, crucified him. On Sunday, they were singing Hosanna. Here they are saying, crucify him. On Sunday, they laid their clothing in the dirt. Now they want his clothing stripped from him. On Sunday, they were taking limbs from a tree. Now they want him put upon a tree. They were shouting words of acclamation as a king on Sunday. Now they preferred a common criminal to Jesus. And it's just as true today as it was then. Sometimes, my friends, our allegiance and our loyalty to Christ evaporates under challenging circumstances. It evaporates. One moment, there's approval for Jesus. The next moment, there's disapproval. One moment, there's acceptance of Jesus. The next moment, there's rejection of Jesus. One moment, there's support for Jesus. The next moment, there's criticism for Jesus. Jesus experienced uh, firsthand just how wishy-washy people can be. On Sunday, they wanted to make him king. On Friday, they preferred a criminal. The circumstances changed and the loyalty of the people vanished. And the bottom line is this. It's one thing to shout Hosanna here. It's another thing to shout Hosanna out there. It's one thing to worship God here. It's another thing to worship Him there. The Christian demonstrates a consistent confession by honoring Christ in the challenging moments of life. 
And let me be honest. Let me just lay it right out. I fear that many of us who sit in these pews on Sunday morning and roll out the red carpet for Christ are not really sure we can do the same thing out there. We're not really sure we can do it. So what do we do? We just kind of join in. You know, we put a smile on our face. We kind of go along. We try to fit in with what's going on because we know, we, we know in our hearts that, that we can come back on Sunday and we can make it all up again. We know that. So we can live how we want on Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because on Sunday, we can come back, put on our best Sunday best, and go through the motions once again. Let me put it another way. Many of us will shout Hosanna here in the church. And we shall crucify him by the way we live out there. Brennan Manning, Christian author Brennan Manning said it this way. The single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyles. Then he said this. This is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. Somehow, somehow, some way, we have got to learn how to live for him out there. Somehow, some way, we've got to learn to live for him out there. Well, listen, non-Christian music proliferates. Uh, we've got to learn to live for him out there where materialism runs rampant. We have to learn to live for him out there where power, position, and popularity are the only things that matter. We've got to learn to live for him out there where the bottom line is to get, to, get ahead, where, the, where everything pleasure is prized. We've got to learn to live for him out there, not just fitting in and going along with the flow, not to, to change our tune. We've got to learn out there when others are saying, crucify him, we're saying, Hosanna. Amen. We have got to learn to do that. Now, you may not hear people literally say, crucify him. Very rarely will you hear that being said but by their words and by their actions, they reveal this truth. And by the things that we do or the things that we don't do, we show that we just go along with the crowd. Just go along with them. You know, we, can, we, we can praise and exalt God in here where it's comfortable, but we have a problem out there in the world in which we live. You know what, we kind of go along with the joke. You know, they tell that little colorful joke and we just kind of go along with it. Perhaps we even laugh at it a little bit. We listen to the stories and we nod in agreement uh, with them. Uh, we participate in the activities that they participate in. Uh, we, we go along with what they do. We never share Jesus. We never share the gospel. We never stand up for him in the public square. We never invite other people to church. By the things that we do and the things that we don't do, we crucify Christ through the week. But it's okay. Because on Sunday, we can come back and do it all again. 
We can do it all again. But listen, Jesus calls the Christian to a consistent confession during the convenient moments of life and during the challenging moments of life. That's the place for us this Palm Sunday. We're singing Hosanna now. We're praising God now. But what will we be doing on Good Friday? What will we be doing tomorrow? Or what will we be doing after church? There's three groups of people that this passage addresses today. First, it addresses those people who are faithful. You live for him on Sunday and you live for him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Let me tell you what God says to you. Keep on keeping on. You keep on being faithful. You keep on glorifying him. You keep on praising him in the convenient moments and in the challenging moments of life. You keep on doing it. There's others of you that maybe you've kind of caved into the pressure. God has a story about you in the Bible. A story about a man with the name of Peter. You know, Peter caved into the pressure. He said, I'll, I'll die with you, Jesus. I'll never, never give him. He said, Peter, before the rooster crows three, three times, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter caved. But you know what? Here's the story. Jesus restored him. He said, Peter, it's okay. I love you. And I'm going to restore you. For some of you, you need that story today. You know, you've caved into the pressure. You bow down to that. And you're not consistent in your confession. God says, be like Peter. You can be restored. You can be replenished. For others of you, you know that if you're going to be the kind of person that God would have you to be, if you're going to be the one who consistently confesses Christ on Sundays and throughout the week, he says you need to plant your life firmly and definitely in a local congregation. You need to be in a body of believers that will help you live life, that will help you in the struggles, in the difficulties, in the challenging times of life to help you be all that you can be in Christ. That's why we stress membership. We stress membership because we want to help you be all that you can be in Christ Jesus. We can't do that if we can't get you connected. We can't do that. For some of you, that's what you need today. There may be others. But God's word to you today is to believe in Jesus. Not just have head knowledge about Jesus. Most people in America at least know a little bit about Jesus. But they don't really know Jesus. They don't really know him. They don't have that intimate relationship with him. And some of you, the very first time, need to recognize that the Jesus who went to the cross and died for your sins is your Savior and your Lord, if you will believe that. It says that Jesus Christ died for our sins. The Bible says that we're sinners, every one of us. We've all missed the mark of God's plan for our life. We've all broken God's law. We do not measure up to God's standards, and we never will, never will. 
So because we sin, the Bible says we have to pay for those sins. Listen, there's a creator and God sets the standard, not us. And because he set the standard, he said, because we sin, that means you've fallen short of my standards. Therefore, you have to reap the benefit. You have to pay to make the payment. In this case, the payment is sin. It says the wages of sin is death. Is death. Eternal separation from God. When you die, there's more to life. When you close your eyes here and your heart stops beating here, there's a life beyond. The question you have to ask yourself, where are you going to spend eternity? You're either going to spend eternity in heaven or you're going to spend eternity in hell. Now, I've heard some wise people say, I just cannot believe that a loving God would ever send somebody to hell. He doesn't. He does not. He allows you to go. Here's what God says. He says, look, because why? He loves you and he's gracious. And he says, if you didn't want to have any relationship with me on earth, why am I going to make you have a relationship with me in heaven? I'm giving you your wish. You chose not to love me on earth. You chose to have nothing to with me, do with me in, on earth. So therefore, I'll let you do the same thing. And here, the problem is, it will be eternal separation from God. And it'll be burning and gnashing of teeth. And guess what? You will cry out for relief. You will cry out, somebody save me. And there'll be nobody to hear. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Dramatic effect. <laughs> now we laugh. Let me tell you what, there will be no laughing in hell. I don't say that to scare you. I'm just trying to speak the truth in love. And I don't want any of you to go to hell on my watch. So what do you do? Jesus, Hosanna, Jesus, save me. Save me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he came to save you from your sins. All you got to do is admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins and commit your life to him. And he will save you. He will save you. Because he's true and he's just. And he will do what he says he will do. For some of you, you need Jesus today. I know you're a churchgoer. Most of you. Most of you. But see, I'm not asking if you're a churchgoer. I'm asking, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Religion will not save you. Only Christ saves you. Amen. And for some of you, you say, Lord, I give up my religion I would rather have a relationship with you than a religion created by man. Now, listen, I'm not against the Baptist church. I'm not against church. I'm okay with that. But there's no salvation in the church. There's only salvation in Jesus. But some of you said for the first time in your life, I need Jesus. We can tell you how to do that. We're going to have a time of response. Kip's going to come and lead us in a song. And we'll close. We're not going to drag it out. We're not going to belabor the point. This is just an opportunity to respond to what you've heard today. Cassie and Marilyn are going to come and play. Kip's going to lead us. Would you stand with me as I lead us in prayer? Josh is going to come up. Marcy's going to make her way down. 
We're here for you to kind of help. If you want to pray, you want to seek counsel, you want to know how to receive Jesus, you want to have be a part of this fellowship of believers, we can tell you how to do that. We're here for you. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us to gather here, Father, to worship, to be led in worship, Father, by the choir. Father, as we, we think about that, Father, your love for us took his breath away. We thank you, Father, for that truth. Now, Father, speak to our hearts this morning. In whatever situation we are in life, we pray, God, you would reveal your truth to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.